I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Indeed it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) I love how like now whenever we say it, we are like, yes, yes, it is. Actually, that's the thing you're here for. That's what you're tuning in for. Instead of when we're just like, hi, over Zoom and add it in later. (laughs) I know, which is so weird. You know what? I want to know if the listeners can... Like, surely they can tell the difference, right? Because it was like months and months of us using the same two, like, beginning, opening. Yeah. Did you see the comments on a recent What's in the News post on Instagram that asked where the ding was after the music in the beginning? I totally forgot to add the ding. And they were like, I dance along to it. And there was no ding. And I was just like... That was my bad. Forgot to add the ding. But I thought that was so funny that a listener was like, wait, what the fuck? Where's well, where's the ding? You want to know something? And I'm surprised we didn't get any notes on this. What? There was one time that I didn't realize it until it was up that I left out the beginning music altogether. Really? Yeah. Like I forgot. And they get it. on me about a ding yeah. and you left out the music mm-hmm. entirely? Yeah. Wow. I mean, wow. if you know which episode that is, please hit us up because I, I may have actually gone and up. No, I didn't. I was thinking about going and updating the episode, but it had already been up for like half the day and I right. was like eh, I don't want to lose all the analytics so yeah and I was like no one had said anything how bad could it be so but yeah, then Madigan go. misses one measly ding and it's like where's my jam I, I'm sorry listen and the I, ding does tie it all together it really does and I was thinking about that when I was editing last week I was like gotta add my dings mm-hmm. gotta do it uh well what should we get started with today well both of mine are not terrible things do you have anything that's like devastating no honestly both of mine I feel like are 
good news-ish things okay. for the most part. Um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was like super, super recent. And I was reading about it literally like an hour before I came here. And that is that the DOJ is suing Texas over the abortion law. Hey. <laughs> exactly. So the Biden Justice Department sued the state of Texas on Thursday over its six-week abortion ban, saying that the law is unconstitutional. At a news conference in Washington, Attorney General Merrick Garland said the Texas law's unprecedented design seeks to, quote, prevent women from exercising their constitutional rights by thwarting judicial review for as long as possible. The act is clearly unconstitutional under longstanding Supreme Court precedent. He also made a point to say that this law should scare every American, no mm -hmm. matter where you are on the party line, because it could give other states the idea to then attack other constitutional rights, which Obviously. I think is a really good point Yeah, I mean, to it's like tie that in. You've cracked this door open, and that's kind of what we were saying. I mean, we kept it within the realm of uh, reproductive rights when we mm -hmm. discussed this, but it is still a slippery slope just in general to start like yeah. not only legislating bodies in this way, but also kind of deputizing other Americans to put a bounty on someone else's head. Yeah. For and something to me, like it, al it also seems kind of like a political loophole mm -hmm. as well, because they're kind of going under and to the side of, you know, Roe v. Wade yeah. and the Supreme court. And they're kind of finding this loophole way to get what they want. And yeah. I feel like that is, that could be used as like a blueprint for other people oh, that yeah. want to get things done, no matter Absolutely. what side of the aisle you're on, you know? So it's kind of undermining the Supreme Court's ruling, which is super shady. The Justice Department wants a judgment declaring the Texas abortion ban invalid, as well as, quote, a preliminary and permanent injunction against the state of Texas, including all of its officers, employees, and agents, including private parties who would enforce the abortion ban. So they're kind of, that to me almost sounds like they're playing at their own game. Like if you are trying to thwart people from getting, you know, abortions and other reproductive health care, we will step in and, and take care of it, you know. The DOJ also argued in the suit that the U.S. may sue a state to vindicate the rights of individuals when a state infringes on rights protected by the Constitution, citing the Take Care Clause of the Constitution, which says the president has the duty to, quote, take care that the laws be faithfully executed. So that's kind of the... Um, that's what's said in the suit of why they are uh, suing the state of Texas for all of this. Garland also pledged to protect abortion clinics in Texas by enforcing a federal law that prohibits making threats against patients seeking reproductive health care services and obstructing clinic entrances. So yeah. all in all, a very good thing that... Are, that the DOJ is stepping in. I'm yeah, I'm actually surprised that they're stepping in, you yeah. know, because I know that this issue, I was listening to the Daily Zeitgeist and they were talking about how or why at the time that they'd recorded like politicians, Democrats weren't stepping in uh, and being more forceful in their objection to this. And a lot of it is very political in terms of we're gearing up for the midterms, yeah. right? And if we can keep people mad about something like this, you can get them to turn up and vote, right? Like, yeah. So if you take care of a problem, 
like this, then, you know, the outrage machine dies and then people are less likely to show up and vote for you. Or maybe because you're stepping in and fixing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe people will Either step way. in and want to vote for you. I'm hoping that that's, you know, what happens. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the ACLU was going to file a lawsuit and there, there were a bunch of other, you know, human rights groups that were coming forward that were wanting to set up lawsuits against this abortion ban. But it really, it said a lot to me that President Biden is taking this issue so seriously. There was a video of, what's her name? Jen Pansky, his uh, spokesperson lady. Yeah, yeah. You know who I'm talking about, right? I I never know how to say her last name. I never know how to say it. Her name is Jen. She has red hair. She's cute. Yes. She she talks the talk for Biden. But she was in a a press conference or whatever, and somebody was asking her, like, how does the president, as a Catholic man, Mm -hmm. have these, you know, standings? And I just loved her response. It's like, yes, he is a Catholic man, but he still believes in everybody's right to choose what they're going to do with their bodies. Right. And that to me was also a huge moment being raised Catholic and literally being called a baby killer because my parents wanted to vote for, I can't remember if it was John Kerry or Al Gore. It was Al Gore. That was the one. And seeing somebody who is a very, very prominent Catholic say that he can separate his own religious beliefs and still see that banning abortion is dangerous and wrong. And I think a lot of people who are... Or at least his administration does. Right. But I've heard him say things too. Mm -hmm. Like he... And I've read a few quotes where he really does seem to take a very strong stance against this Texas ban. I hope that that's true. But the optics of it still, I think, are really important because... It is important. People who Mm -hmm. are, you know, very, very staunchly religious have a really hard time separating that with their political views or laws and things like that. So I hope that that's an example for people to see that like you can be a good Catholic and still understand why being pro-choice is the way to go. Well, and still understand choice. That's the thing. You don't have to be pro-abortion to be pro-choice. No one is forcing you to go get one, right? But you have to understand that you don't get to make that decision for other people. Yeah. Um, because there are a variety of reasons, of course, that somebody would want or need to get an abortion. And yeah. it, they're not, it's not always, we all, I mean, it's very important to talk about rape and incest, but it's not always rape and incest. Like there's so many reasons. There's so many valid, valid mm-hmm. reasons, and no matter what it is. people will find a way. Yep. They will find a way or they will hurt themselves. Like yeah. that is kind of, we've seen it over and over again. It's not safe uh, to ban abortion. So... Yeah. And it's been a difficult road for me. You know that I grew up very religious and my family still like there's no way that they uh, are pro-choice. Well, right. I mean, that's that was part of what is so amazing to me with the Biden administration, because I think that a lot of our past Catholic presidents and very religious presidents have had that same kind of standing where that's been their calling card to get like the religious votes and things like that. And the fact that we're I'm seeing some sort of separation between religion and politics in this administration is a very positive thing to me. I'm not saying that it's like, oh my God, they're the best ever. But like to be able to see some sort of separation between the two is really satisfying to me. At some point we should maybe do an episode or talk about how the right became so deeply entrenched with evangelical 
Christian beliefs because oh, totally. they, uh, Republicans weren't always anti-abortion. It was no. something that happened in like the 80s. Well, um, and I talked about it a little bit when I did a Bad Girls episode on Phyllis, Phyllis Schlafly yeah. because she was such a huge part of it. And so I, I talked about the history of all of that a little bit because what you're saying is true. The Republican Party was not always this like staunchly religious right, right kind of group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it changed as the parties I guess like what's the word I'm looking for uh, I, I, objectives yeah change? I was gonna say I know or, exactly what you're trying to yeah, say yeah like they evolved to keep up with like whatever was like gonna be popular with that side like being against the equal rights agreement and things like that something that is so well non- they, they shifted to quote unquote family values exactly right exactly mm-hmm. and they made the era be this thing that was like very anti-family mm-hmm. values and then yeah. from that it became you know the traditional family is that that is you know a man and a woman just like god intended and then right. all this religious like well and that was also the same time as like the jerry falwells and the jim yes. bakers and like these big evangelical people became very closely tied to Political movements. Political movements and political figures and presidents. And like it just became like entrenched in our. Oh, my God. I just remembered a documentary that I watched on Netflix. And now I can't remember what it's called. Oh, my God. But it's so good. It's it's on Netflix. It's super good. Oh, my God. I have to look this up. This is going to drive me nuts. I want to say it's called like it's not the pact. The family. I think that's what it's called. Mm, Nothing ever bad has happened when people have decided to call themselves the family. Right. That's always turned out really well. Okay, yeah. So it's called The Family, and it says, an enigmatic conservative Christian group known as The Family wields strong influence in Washington, D.C. in pursuit of its global ambitions. It is a crazy documentary. Very cool. Oh, I started watching that. Did you start yes, it? Because like a guy like kind of shows up and is like, what is this? this is it's like almost a frat. like a frat. Yeah. And they like all live in a house together, and they like do Bible studies all day, and then they go to these meetings, and they start talking about like it's all like a very secretive thing but it's about like religion and like Christianity infiltrating our government it is so good it's a series I think there's like four episodes or something it's really good highly recommended are you ready to shop Rakuten's big give week is back get 15% back at hundreds of stores and it's all happening this week May 6th to May 13th it's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's do a sharp pivot. Let's do it. Uh, and talk about the Satanic Temple, shall we? Because Oh my God, I love them. Because mwah, they're coming in clutch for women. They're doing the dang thing, right? Yes, they are. So <laughs> we go from Christianity to Satan worshipers. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so the Satanic Temple is challenging the abortion restrictions in Texas. So they are a religion, and contrary to popular belief, they don't actually worship Satan. But yes, but yes that is the common like conception, right? Is like yes. that's what I mean for They're sure. They're called the Church of Satan, and that's what I always right, the assumed. Satanic Temple. Yes, that, you know the churches that are worshiping God. You know, I have an image of that. Mm-hmm. So in my head, they yes. would be worshiping Satan. A- absolutely, same. Growing up, I was for sure like the scary, right? Like yeah. we're, we're children of the '90s. It was just post Satanic Panic. Yeah, like very scary. But I was even scared of atheists as a kid like if you were an atheist I was like what the fuck like that was the same in my head because of my crazy Catholic upbringing (laughs) but the satanic temple is actually super super cool and they've done a lot of really cool stuff especially for freedom of religion yep um, freedom of expression they've done a lot of really really cool stuff so because they I feel like they've been beaten down so much that they're like no we gotta help the other guy as well Well, you know it's part of their core tenants as well yeah you know so okay so uh, they said on their website that they stand quote ready to assist any of their members who want to fight this law it said that it has lobbied the state for an exemption to the law under its own religious freedom law uh, the Texas Religious Freedom Restoration Act. So the group said that the st- if the state declines to provide the exemption, then it will seek judicial relief. So under the uh, Satanic Temple's seven fundamental tenets, the religion believes that one's body is subject to one's own will alone. So they're like this. It's part of their fundamental tenets that mm-hmm. they're like, your body is yours. It's subject you to your you want, will. So this law directly violates one of their core religious beliefs. Right. So it also believes that beliefs should conform to one's, quote, best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Whoa. Am I joining the Church of Satan? Right? I'm like, oh, okay. This sounds amazing. Oh, my God. I'm totally on board thus far. (laughs) So the religion announced last week that its lawyers had sent a letter to the FDA asking that its members have access to abortion medication without being subject to regulations. So it argues that its members should have access to the medications under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is the same act um, that allows Native Americans to get, or any religious organization, to get drugs for specific rituals. Right. Right. And it's kind of the same thing, you know? Yeah. So the Satanic Temple... it's kind of outside of the regular law. Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, hey, if taking peyote is part of your religion... Right. Then we have to, under this, like, Religious Protections Act, provide, like, allow you to do that. You're exempt from the law. 
perks of having your own religion that I never even thought of. Yeah, I know. You're going to pull a Scientology and just file for your own religion. <laughs> I mean, hey, the religion of Madigan coming yeah. to you in 2022. Don't have just to pay taxes. Wait. Don't have to pay taxes. I mean, hey. <laughs> so the Satanic Temple, if you're interested, is having a fundraiser to support reproductive freedom. Uh, so if you would like to contribute or learn more, you can visit thesatanictemple.com. Are they having like an in-person fundraiser, like an event? I don't think so. Oh, that would be fucking fun. Fundraiser. Yeah. That would be real. Like if there's like a carnival thrown to support reproductive rights, like I would be there. Yeah. That sounds so awesome. I mean, they've done really cool things in the past as well. Like I can't remember. It might have also been Texas, but there was a state that wanted to have the tablets of the Ten Commandments in front of like a law building, like a government building. And they were like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then we're going to petition to have a statue of Bathomet also in front of the building. I love it. It's religion, right? You yeah. you can't single out one religion over another. Yeah, we should all have our our religious yeah. statues in front of the What's law up? building. Then, yeah, exactly. Well, I also have an update on Britney Spears's conservatorship. For any of you who are interested. So on Tuesday, Jamie Spears, Britney's father, filed a petition to end Britney Spears conservatorship. And I do have to kind of clarify with that because that was what I read in an article. But then it kind of goes on to say that he doesn't really have the power to end yeah. her conservatorship. It feels very misleading. And even in his kind of like statements or yeah. whatever, he's very like... I didn't do anything wrong, but is kind of the vibe. Yeah, like, but after hearing her testimonies, all this kind of stuff, like, he's claiming that's why he is withdrawing from the conservatorship, which is making a lot of people assume that the conservatorship is just going to be over, and that's not necessarily the case. Anyway, Britney's lawyer, Matthew S. Rosengart, has called this a massive legal victory and vindication for her. There is another hearing scheduled for September 29th where they will be removing Jamie Spears as conservator and they will also be temporarily lifting restrictions placed on her under the conservatorship as well as transferring finances back to Brittany as well while all of this is being figured out. There is a California-based family law attorney named Christopher C. Melcher who was interviewed about this case, and he says that it was an interesting move for Jamie Spears to take himself out of the conservatorship at this moment. Apparently, the petition was not designed to end the conservatorship, but to eliminate Jamie first. Melcher Hmm. goes on to say that ending the conservatorship is not up to Jamie. Only the court under Judge Brenda Penny can terminate it and says that If Jamie was so moved by his daughter's testimony, he would be asking the court to terminate the conservatorship then, not asking to be removed from the conservatorship. Yeah. And Brittany has asked not to go through another like mental health evaluation. Uh, So that could potentially I I don't know if that's going to kind of like throw a wrench into the whole situation because they do, you know, her dad claims that if she were to go under some sort of psychiatric evaluation that she wouldn't pass and all this kind of stuff. So while it's great that her father, this horribly abusive man to her for her whole life is no longer in charge of her affairs. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that she is freed. Her conservatorship is over, but it is still a really great first step. And hopefully Hopefully her attorney is taking all this into consideration so that when they meet up again on September 29th, they can have a new game plan to be able to um, end the conservatorship as a whole. Yeah, like I I feel like I have two feelings about this. 
uh, that jump out at me right away. And one of them is that Jamie is trying to save face. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what it feels like to me. He was under a lot of public scrutiny. Uh, Can't handle that. Um, Being the bad guy on that kind of scale. Yeah. The kind of the vitriol and stuff he was getting. But from Britney Spears' point of view, it must... Because your family is your family, right? And you're always going to feel a certain way emotionally about them. And I'm sure whether or not this has any real impact on her situation, it probably feels very good to her. 100%. Like, I think this is still a really huge victory. I just think that the way that they're reporting it makes it super confusing because it does sound like, well, if her dad's out of the way, then there's no conservatorship, but there are still other like legal hurdles they have to go through. But it is a very, very amazing time for Britney Spears to be able to get rid of her father's control over her. Have you seen all the pictures of her posting on Instagram of just, this is my ass? No. It's so funny. Today, she like posted this picture. Like, I don't know if somebody was claiming that like, like if there was like a photoshopped photo of her or something, but there was like a picture of her where she's like, this is my ass. And then she posts a video uh, again where she's like completely naked. She's wearing a thong and it's like just the mirror like in her bathroom and she's like moving around. You can see her butt. She's like, this is my real butt. I'm like, I love you, Because girl. she hasn't been able to do any of this stuff for so long. Like it's so cool that like she has agency now. I know. You know? And I love, I mean like, she is out there. She is an out there woman and I love it. And I love the shade she throws on her Instagram. I love the nude pictures she posts on her Instagram. Like you can really see the shift in her freedom within the last few months. And I really hope that that just continues for her. Yeah, me too. Okay. Well, I have one final thing that I wanted to talk about today. Oh my God. We're going to hit four topics in one mini. Oh my God. Really speeding through them right now. I'm amazed with us right (laughs) now. So the former Georgia district attorney, Jackie Johnson, uh, who worked on the Ahmaud Arbery case, you might remember that she has now been booked on charges linked to her alleged mishandling of that case. Because if you remember, she had a personal relationship with one of Ahmaud Arbery's murderers. Like he had worked for her as an investigator. (gasps) Uh, And so his family, Ahmaud Arbery's family was like, no, 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 no. This is sketchy as hell. So she turned herself in to the Glynn County Sheriff's Office on Wednesday morning. uh, And it was after a grand jury. It was after a grand jury had returned an indictment on counts of obstruction and violations of oath by a public officer last week. Damn, Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking that she was going to be like turning herself in. I just thought she was going to be like maybe like, I don't know what the disbarment of a judge would look like but I just figured it was going to be like she loses her job I was not expecting you to say she turned herself in right well I mean she was actually indicted so it wasn't like it's their criminal charges it's not like it's not like these are like civil charges I know I just wasn't I Mm -hmm. wasn't expecting that Mm -hmm. so she was released from the Glynn County Detention Center on $10,000 bond and state prosecutors allege that she used her position to delay arrests of the men who chased down and murdered Uh, Ahmaud Arbery. 100%. She was the county's top prosecutor at the time whenever Arbery was shot last year. And one of the men, like I said, uh, had worked for her as an investigator, Greg McMichael. Yeah. And I think he was the father. It was like a father, a son, and then a neighbor. Yeah. uh, Who were involved in this. So 
the Georgia Attorney General, Chris Carr, sought the indictment after requesting an investigation of possible misconduct by local prosecutors who failed to bring charges. Because remember, like there weren't any charges brought right away. Like, yeah, like all these cases go. It's like charges don't really come until a lot of public outcry. Yeah. So the indictment says that Jackie Johnson violated her oath by, quote, showing favor and affection to Greg McMichael mm. and failing to treat Ahmad Arbery and his family fairly and with dignity. Yep. It also says that she obstructed police by directing that Travis McMichael should not be placed under arrest. So the son. So she told the police like, oh, you don't need to arrest him. Right. And then clearly we saw the video footage. Yes. Of, of what they actually did and mm-hmm. why they most definitely all need to be arrested. Yes. Yeah. That really is affection. It's, it's right, a it's funny strange. word to use, but right. like it is, it's like she's protecting him. She's protecting the son. And his son, yeah. Because like, and particularly the son, because she knows that like, you know, the other guy is, you know, already getting some sort of heat. So she's like, let's just, you know, maybe I can do this for him. I don't know. Right. It's just and if so I gross. remember correctly, and I could be wrong, I think it was the son who actually shot Ahmad Arbery. I don't, so I don't remember. I, I think it was. I could be wrong, uh, but that's that's what I recall. Oh my god! And yeah, affection is a strange term to use because you you say affection and you think like romantic affection. No, or- but like when you describe that, like I think that that's like a bizarre word to hear, but like it makes sense because she really was like taking care of them in a way. It's a friendship, right? Like it's like a, you're, you, you're protecting your friends. You're going to bat for your friends. Yeah. But she could face one to five years in prison if convicted of violating her oath of office. And the obstruction charge is a misdemeanor, which is punishable by up to one year in jail. So she is facing, she's probably going to serve like a couple months and get out on good behavior if she's going to serve any time. Right. I mean, technically she's facing, two to six years if you like combine but you know how these things go yeah it's Georgia it's still Georgia she's a white lady in Georgia yeah so who knows she's gonna be fine yeah (laughs) either way she's gonna be fine yeah I mean and the attorney general Chris Carr in Georgia is a Republican and not to say that you know he didn't do this just because clearly this was something that was very wrong like I think even a lot of people who are quote-unquote anti-BLM watched the Ahmaud Arbery killing and couldn't argue that like this was clearly like they hunted him down right like, they hunted him so down i'm not saying that the attorney general <laughs> i'm not saying is like a good guy well and i'm also not saying that like he is this is wholly political for him because maybe for real he was like no that's really fucked up yeah but i also do think that um Optically, he had to do something. Yeah. So we'll see how harsh the actual punishment is. Yeah. I think the fact that she got out on ten thousand dollars bond, which seems pretty low to me, it does um, seem relatively low to me. But yeah. I always just think I'm like, man, people just have ten thousand dollars lying around. To probably get out not of jail. liquid. They probably had to sell a car or something. That's you know? true. Man, would I just stay in jail at that point? I feel like if my family was like, we're going to sell this thing, I'd be like, just leave me here. You know what? Actually, it's fine. Actually, I take that back. She like her family probably did have $10,000 lying around. Now that I'm thinking about. Like, yeah, she's like a she's prosecutor. A yeah. to, you know, like yeah. or a prosecutor. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, not a judge. she's. She's, she's doing got, well. She's got $10,000 lying around. But yes, whenever I watch things and they're like, bail was set at $800,000 and he left the next day. And I'm, I'm like, like, where the fuck did you get $800,000? How many family members had to refinance their houses? For real. Like, I don't think I even own enough things that could equal that amount of money. I don't. $8,000. I'm eight. $8,000. I don't... <laughs> $800,000? No. Fuck no. I 100% do not. Even $10,000. Do I? I don't think that my the things that I own would even get me that. 
I'd be fucked. I would just stay in jail. <laughs> You're like, I guess I'm going to get comfy. I guess I better get comfy in jail with my bunkmate. What yeah. you going to do? Oh, man. Our justice system is so fucked. It's so, so fucked. Nice. Anyway, that's not the point. This, <sighs> is, this was a good news episode by and large. So For real. I'm very impressed with the fact that, you know, it's like we're still talking about shitty things, but the fact that there's like good news with yeah. those shitty things. Yeah. It's great. And we covered four topics in a mini episode. Feeling I'm pretty blown good. away right now. Yeah. yeah. We should feel really accomplished right now. I do. <laughs> I Good. do. <laughs> well, we always love hearing what you want us to talk about in our news episodes. So if there's anything that you would like us to focus on next week, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We also have a Facebook business and group page. Go on the business page and leave us a review there and then hop over to the group page and chat with your fellow listeners. And if you haven't already, we would greatly appreciate if you would leave us a positive five star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out so much and it makes our day to read all of the nice things you have to say about us. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. Bye. There's something weird going on with influencers right now. I'm a little freaked out. They just get everything they want. Everything's a little too perfect. Their smiles are a little too straight. They're using filters I can't find anywhere. I know what I'm about to say might sound a little unhinged, but I think it might be witchcraft. At least, that's what Jenna Clayton thought right before she went missing. We're excited to introduce a new show from Realm, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, starring Oscar-nominated actress Gabourey Sidibe. When a Black writer goes missing, A white podcast host with a savior complex takes up the cause of finding her and collides with a coven of influencers she suspects are responsible. This show is a little bit of the craft meets Mean Girls meets Get Out. Learn more about If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It at realm.fm and be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.